0: We began last Sunday talking about God's great plans. How many know God has great plans? Uh, We were praying this morning and uh, talking about how God is using everything. He just uses everything. At our our leadership prayer this morning, we we gather at uh, 25 after the hour on Sunday mornings at 825 and pray. And we were talking about God's amazing plans and how that God doesn't waste anything. Anybody glad God doesn't waste anything? Anybody thankful for that? And uh, some people do not understand that our God does not fly by the seat of His toga, that uh, like you do. You know, like how many? Yeah, I just do whatever. God's got great plans, and even when you think you're flying by the seat of your pants, how I many know oh, God still has great plans? Anybody know that? So uh, we we discussed, and you know, in telling you about the the strength of freedom, we had a few days of celebration. Uh, a few weeks ago, we celebrated everyone that had just started coming to Freedom Fellowship in 2018, and we filled the platform up with people that had just started coming this year. And then uh, this past Sunday, in the accumulation of all three services, we increased and we use membership. We don't use it like others others use it. We believe membership is connection. Because you understand dismembered, right? You understand getting your, your arm cut off or something like that. We're saying we're sewing people back on. We're becoming a part of the body of Jesus. So uh, with the incredible increase, uh, I was so excited. I, mean, I, just called, I, went, I went back to my office after third service, snuck back just to call my daddy and brag a little bit. And uh, anybody ever do that with your father? Just Because I know anytime, dad always wants me. if something, something spectacular happens, son. You give me a call. Let me know, you know. So uh, I did, and he was just so thrilled. Uh, My heart is just overflowing about the increase. Somebody shout increase. Uh, I mean, you can talk increase, and sometimes you can talk it, but it doesn't show up. I believe increase is a God thing. Anybody believe that? Uh, God gives the increase. Acts 2, the Lord adds to the church daily just those who are being saved. With that being said... Freedom Fellowship is a thriving church, and our best years are in front of us. Somebody shout, "Amen!" Amen. So we've looked at the past, and we're thankful. But uh, you know, as as we as I as I increase uh, numerically, anybody else doing that with me? You all are all right. And I watch. I look around this room, and I see people, uh, uh, the the youth uh, growing. I was watching. I couldn't help watching my grandbaby over there dancing and holding a microphone. Some people, that's cute, and I'm thinking, that's relevant am I right that's that's relevant our children our children that's relevant that's relevant so uh get connected get your kids connected uh freedom fellowship is thriving and our best years are in front of us somebody say amen to that one more time amen. last week uh we talked about God's great plans for the church and uh I looked at Matthew eleven thirteen from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven has been forcefully advancing, and forceful men lay hold of it. Uh, somebody shout, forceful. God, God's, uh, God's kingdom has been forcefully advancing, and forceful men are laying hold of it. And uh, so uh, I'm, I, I hope you got this, that our task is not to just protect or to be in a defensive posture, we are supposed to be in an aggressive posture. We are kicking down the gates of hell, finding those who have been captured, and setting the captive free. Amen? Amen? We are what? We are setting captives free. We are a thriving church. And when we say we're thriving, it's not we're just the best church in town. We are the church of the Lord Jesus. And our task... as as a community of believers, is to forcefully, somebody shall forcefully advance. Not accidentally, right? But forcefully advance. So today, I want us to continue in this vein of God's great plan, and I want to talk to you from the topic, God's great plans for you. We've talked about the church. I want us to get specific today. And uh, hey, I, is my cell phone over there? Thank you. thank you. I'm going to need that in a moment. Thank you. Thank you. Um, and I, uh, I want us to read the scripture, Jeremiah 29, 11, which is our theme uh, for this. Read this with me. For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you a future and a hope. Come on, read it out loud again. Come on. For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, says the Lord. Thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you a future and a hope. Now just pause for a moment, and I want you to see that God's thoughts are on purpose, unlike ours, right? God's thoughts are on purpose. We need to get more purposeful with our thoughts. I don't know if I brought this up to you last Sunday, but I, I want, for, for those of you who struggle specifically with anxiety, if you struggle with, with, with depression and that sort of thing, I, I, what, where, do, where does your thoughts settle when you settle? When you're not busy doing things and you finally sit down or when you lay down at night, where, where do your thoughts go? Uh, do your thoughts just go everywhere? Anybody, how many of you ever have that? I do. Anybody have just like, just flying everywhere. And so you have some practices. Perhaps you breathe deeply, take breathing exercises. Come on, let's do that right now. Ready? See how much better? And then you start thinking about, oh, that's my breath. Well, that's good, but you would do well to begin to focus on the Lord Jesus. Okay? And as the Lord, the Bible says, he knows what his thoughts are. Do you know what your thoughts are? Don't let your thoughts control you. You control your thoughts. Is that okay for anybody? So God is a good example for us. Now, I I want to get personal today about your life and where you are, and I want you to take this message personally. Now, I want to uh, let you know let me just ask this question. How many have ever taken a selfie before? Anybody ever taken a selfie? Come on! How many have taken a selfie within the last week? The last 48 hours. The last 48 hours. Okay. The last 24 hours. Anybody? Okay. All right. All right. Selfies are amazing. I'm not really good at it. I, Diane and I wanted to celebrate the closing of summer, so we slipped out to the bay to watch the sunset the other day. And I took a selfie all right, I don't take selfies too often. You'll notice most every picture I take is of Diana and myself. All right, uh, but uh, let me see. I think I got a picture there. I am. I took a selfie. All right. It's not bad, is it? Uh, so you know, I broke all of the selfie rules there. All right, because I looked at that and I thought, I bet people know how to take selfies. So I researched how to take selfies. All right, how to take a good selfie, and there are very, some things that are important. One is lighting. All right, lighting. Uh, if you don't have good lighting, then there are going to be shadows in your eyes, and uh, you're just not going to look as good. I have good lighting, so you're better to take it out in the daylight, all right, not with the sun behind you, okay? So that wasn't bad. My lighting wasn't bad because the sun was in front of me. I'd like to applaud myself for that. And then elevation, I really broke that one, okay? Don't look at the wrinkles in my neck right now. Don't stop, all right? All right. But if you take a selfie like this, that's not good. You're supposed to raise your head up. You're supposed to make yourself a little elongated like this, okay? All right, and then angle, which I totally blew that, all right? You should kind of sh- kind of do a little bit of this, all right? Kind of <laughs> look because the angles of your... I'm just telling you what I read, all right? People that are a lot smarter than I am. There you go. You got that. See, a little angle. All right, go ahead and you try it. And then your smile. Do not, in fact, I didn't smile at all for this picture, which is odd for me because I'm a smiling kind of a guy. All right, but don't do this. All right? Unless you want to. All right? Unless you want to. You smile. should try to be authentic. It's kind of hard to say smile and then be authentic, though. I mean, it should be, it should have some kind of look. Now, I'm not going to do this, but how many know that I could take those four points and preach right there? Anybody know that? How many know your selfie needs some light? Come on, somebody. How many believe your selfie needs some elevation? Anybody? Mm-hmm. And you need to look at it so that you can see the angle. I don't know what I'm going to preach right there. I'm going to have to think about that. And You need some joy in your life. All right, that's not what I'm... That's, okay, for, just forget all of that. Selfies are great. You know why selfies are great? One of the reasons our selfies are great is because we have, have something called a filter. How many have ever heard of a filter? All right, somebody said, no filter, of course. You can actually filter out with your camera. You can filter out blemishes. You can increase the light. You can do all of that. And uh, just so you know, we know that it's filtered. They say, I'm gonna put this selfie and nobody's gonna know that I have a filter on it. And I'm saying, ha, 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 ha. ha. That's what I'm saying. Let me give you another word. Selfies are great because you can filter it. Another word, because you can fake it. And just because your selfie looks good doesn't mean your lifey looks good. I think we need an app that can take a picture of your lifey. Like, how are your relationships going? Like, all of your lovers should have to automatically show up in the back. I shouldn't have said that. And what's really going on in your family? Like, your selfie should show how your marriage is right now. So people can pray for you. Your selfie should show how far in the hole you are financially. So people can, come on. No, they should. Somebody say, no, 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 I don't want to wouldn't it be good if your selfie actually showed your relationship with Jesus like there was like a little meter on it somewhere you know I said oh yeah all about Jesus or really had a bad few months you know just again just because you have a great selfie doesn't mean you have a great life now I'm not telling you to stop taking selfies okay I'm not busting on you I took a selfie myself all right but uh, I, I, I love, anybody love freedom? I love freedom. And one of the things I love about freedom is this diverse group of people. There are those in this room with struggles and strife. There are people with victory and there are pe- people with plenty. There are people with sickness and there are people that are healthy. There are people that are vibrant. We're all walking through a journey and God has, listen, no matter what your life looks like, God has a plan for you. Come on. No matter what, God has a plan for me. I mean, go ahead, Pastor. Go ahead and put my light deal on display. God still has a plan. Somebody thankful that God is not finished with me yet. Anybody? I mean, I'm not sure I want you to know all about my life. I need some filters so that you can listen to me today. Anybody understand what I'm saying? I mean, I don't know if you like that or not. No matter what you are experiencing currently, God's plans are still great. So we're looking at the scripture in John 20, uh, Jeremiah 29 and he says, "I know I uh, and this, th- this is a different version, the, the today's English version, I alone know the plans I have for you." Did you get that? I alone, you don't know them. Plans to bring you prosperity and not disaster. Plans to bring about the future that you hope for. You like that? Come on. Read that from from the Lord. I alone know the plans I have for you. Plans to bring you prosperity and not disaster. Plans to bring bring about the future that you hope for. So I want to focus on the context of the Scripture in a moment. But I want to establish an opening point before in order to help you. In order to give you an understanding of our teaching, probably the rest of this will not make sense until we just declare the opening clearly. So I want to support my position, and then we'll move further. I want to say this: God has a great plan for you because He loves you. Now I know people say, "Please, Pastor, we know that you don't have." No, I need to go here right now. I need to because we regularly forget this reality. Wave at me if you know that we regularly, we often think like God says, oh, "That's for you. That's the last." time I'm putting up with your mess that, that God is mad. Anybody ever feel like God was mad all the time and God's, God hates you that he's angry at you. John 15 and 9 we'll throw this out. As the, read this as the father has loved me so have I loved you. Abide in my love. As the father has loved me. How many believe the father loves the son? Anybody believe that? And so God loves me. Say God loves me. Jesus says I love you and then in 1 Peter 1 and 18 you were not redeemed and i want you to underline and circle that in your notes you were not redeemed with corruptible things like silver or gold from your aimless conduct received by tradition from your fathers but with the precious blood of christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot now the word redeemed is the is the active word it's a key word in this particular scripture very key he says you were not Redeemed with corruptible things, but you were redeemed with the precious blood of Jesus. And we really don't get this because when we say redeemed, let me ask this question. Is there anybody in this room that has a coupon? Come on, where's my coupon, people? All right. How many love, Got anybody loves coupons? Anybody love coupons? All right. Look at that. Got a coupon. Give me that. Bring that coupon. I'll give it back to you. All right. Bring it back to me. Come on, brother. Look at this. All right. Wow. I've seen these before. You get these in the mail, don't you? 20% off, bed, bath, and beyond. Look at that. All right. Now, I think there's a, there's a trick on this, and that's to items that are not already marked down. And you got to search for that bad boy right there. Well, there's already 2% marked off of that. No, anyway, that is cool. Diana, here you go, baby. I, she loves me. You know, come get it. Somebody praise God for 20% off. Somebody, hallelujah. I mean, there are folks in this room that love redeeming coupons, right? Coupons, you know, or some of you have gift cards. Anybody got a gift card in your hand? My wife, she keeps some gift cards handy, all right? Now, you realize there's over a billion dollars that are never, never redeemed every year in gift cards, so if you're not using them, give them to my wife, all right? Just telling you. Now, that's, that's a good idea. And when we, So when we think redemption, when we think redemption, and we think coupons, and we see you were not redeemed with corruptible things like silver and gold from your aimless conduct received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ, I want you to know that when you redeem coupons, it is nowhere near comparable to what Jesus Christ has done for us. Because sometimes because of redemption, we think, well, we understand redeeming. I got, I got look, I got 20% off, baby. Get my 20% off. Jesus did not give us 20% off. Let, let me help you, okay? The word redeem is also used as the word ransom is also translated. You were ransomed And uh, perhaps you heard the story of a kidnapping July 15th, 1976. Three men in their 20s seeking $5 million hijacked a busload of 26 school kids. I think they have a picture of that. 26 school kids and their bus driver. They came out, they really, they were out in the street acting as if their car was broke down. And the bus driver stopped and just went out to see if he could help them and they came out with guns they took the busload of kids and they had a they had a moving truck that was buried in a gravel pit and they put all of those kids and the bus driver down into that pit and buried them alive put a big metal plate over top of it and and several feet of gravel on on top of that anybody remember that story all right and uh, so uh, what, th- then they went and tried to get uh, their uh, money, but uh, the, and the, the kids and the bus driver were in there for 16 hours because that bus driver was not done driving. Uh, he looked around that, that moving van and they had left like some mattresses, things around the corner, I guess, to, to seal it in. And he directed all those kids to stack up those mattresses. They all gathered on top of that, uh, the mattresses and together dug, uh, pushed off the metal plate, dug through three feet of gravel, and all of them were rescued. All, every one of those kids were rescued out of that. I love that story. Anybody else love that story? How they all got out of it, and that's good. I mean, that is a good. That's a good story. But what I want you to know is, uh, being rescued after you've been kidnapped is a good illustration. But even that is a small comparison to what the Lord Jesus Christ has done for us. Matthew twenty, the Son of Man came not to be to be served, but to serve, and to read that last line, and to give His life as a as a ransom for many. Come on, this is our first big miss. We don't truly embrace what it means to be loved. What does it mean to be loved? And how does that change your life? Now, they're not here yet this morning, but uh, the Petrix will be here at second service. Uh, They have flown home from the Ukraine, and they have their baby Dasha with them. She's five years old. Perhaps the closest we can get is the story of of, of Dasha. And when they uh, took her from, when they, they took her. Uh, out of the orphanage there in Ukraine and they dressed her up because she couldn't take any of the clothes from the orphanage with her. She had to leave all of those. And so they brought a princess out with her, dressed with them and they put her in the princess dress and they walked her down uh, the sidewalk. They actually, it only cost them 20 bucks to do this. They rented a horse and carriage that was out front. And so when Dasha and, and uh, uh, Christella wouldn't be there, but she's taking the video, all right? Their, uh, Their daughter Christella Three, two, one. <laughs> Jesus. Anybody feel good about that? Hallelujah. I mean, that's about as close as I can get. All right, that's about as close as I can get when I tell you how wonderful this is. She's so precious. Uh, and, and Kurt and Cynthia and Christella, come on. They raised the price. They went to Ukraine. They have lived there uh, waiting week after week after week until finally they rescued her. Listen, she couldn't save herself. She needed somebody to come into her place and to bring her out. And so Kurt and Cynthia and Christella and then we raised funds as well. And President in his last fight raised money for their passage back into the United States. Now that, that is a beautiful 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 illustration. But wait, 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 wait. I want you to know that even that, as beautiful as it is, does not come to the level of what Jesus Christ has done for us. Look again in First Peter chapter 1. You were not redeemed with corruptible things like silver and gold, but with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. You could not raise the money. You could not go to the place of hell. You could not defeat death, but Jesus came, and with His precious blood redeemed, ransomed rescued all of us not with silver and gold but with his own life's blood come on you need to help me with this look at somebody and say you are precious I'm going to tell them you are precious you are precious to God. God redeemed you. God loved you. And that's what you see in John 3.16. God loved the world so much that he gave not his money. He gave not the gold in his streets. He gave not his silver. He gave his only son. So what do you do? Whoever believes that, whoever believes in him does not have to die. You will not perish. He loves you. And you get everything lasting life. God didn't send his son to beat you up. God did not send his son to condemn you but through his son that you would all be saved. Can't rewrite that statement. It's a love statement. He he does not say God was so ticked off of the world he sent his only son to punch everybody out. He loved you. Two clear characteristics describe the essence of our God his holiness and his love. And 1 John 4 and 8 says, He who does not love does not know God, for God is love. Says, I, know, I, I, love I just, you know, I know God. I just hate everybody. You don't know God. Because you think you have figured out what ransom means. You don't know what it means. You don't know what redemption means. If you hate your brother, then you haven't yet embraced the gift of love. Because when you embrace that love, you just can't walk in bitterness. 1 John 4, 16, we have have known and believed the love that God has for us. God is love, and he who abides in love abides in God and God in him. I'm convinced most Christians have a hard time really believing and experiencing that God values them and that they are precious to him. There is no truth in the whole Bible that ought to affect us as much as the love of God. And we struggle with this idea because it's so foreign to us. God's love is so diametrically different from human love. Human love is, I'm in love with your body. Make me pick on Ed Sheeran right now. That boy can sing, but I'm telling you. That's human love, right? Human love, it's very... Conditional. I love you because of what you can do for me I love you for what I can get from you come on I love you today but I may not love you tomorrow because I don't know about tomorrow I don't know God's love is different God's love is very very different God loves you in fact he has always loved you he loved you before you were born he loved you knowing the mess that you would make out of the life that he gave you. Amen. He loved you that way. Now, I want you to look. Come on, look at the scripture. Jeremiah 29. I know the thoughts that I think towards you, says the Lord. Thoughts of peace and not of evil. Uh, to give you a hope and a future. You will not be able to enjoy his plan. Unless you realize that unlike those who have rejected you and abandoned you and left you and forgotten you and lied to you and cheated to you and hurt you and abused you and wounded you and cursed you and told you that you were worthless, unlovable, and deserving of eternal damnation, Jesus loves you. He loves you with a never-ending, eternal, fully sacrificial love. He, that, I love that. Found you. Captured by the... He found you captured by the enemy. Defeated by the enemy. And when you place your faith in him, he loves you and breathes life in you and resurrects you to live out your life according to his plan. Somebody shout hallelujah. hallelujah. I'm still trying to figure this out. Because I have been loved and I have been hated. I have been abandoned, I have been abused, I have failed God, and I have been faithful to God, but He has always loved me, and He has always been faithful to me. All right, did I get that across? Somebody shout amen? amen. Now, now, let me look back at the scripture and draw from this, Jeremiah 29, 11. Let me draw for I, uh, I, where he says, I alone know you, for I know the thoughts that I have towards you, says the Lord. All right? God's great plans start in your current situation. You got that? My second point, God's great plans start in your current situation. He says, I know the plans that I have for you. Plans to bring you from this place to another. Prosperity and and not disaster. Plans to bring you about the future that you hope for. Context. We love the scripture until we hear the context. The chapter is written to people in exile. Israel had been ripped from their homes and families. They were living in Babylon in an unknown land. The problem is that there were so-called prophets that were telling the Israelites, Listen, I want you to go home, and this week, I know you're struggling, but this week, God's going to send you if you give me $100 right now, God's going to send you $1,000. No, $2,000 coming in the mail. Somebody say, come, money, come. Come, money, come. You, some of you know that preacher. It's not this one. I'm telling you the truth. How many know God is a blessing God? Anybody know that God is a blessing God? How many know that God can bless you with money? Anybody know that? God loves you too much. Some of you too much to give you money right now. Some TV prophets irritate me. They always tell people what they want to hear. The prophets were telling the Israelites, you're you're going home tomorrow. Within the next few weeks, Now, now I want you to look at this. I believe the prophecy of Jeremiah speaks a great deal about the way that God moves. So go back. We're at 29 verse 11. Go back to verse 4. Here's the word of God before verse 11. The Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says to all of those people whom he allowed Nebuchadnezzar to take away, God allowed. Somebody circle that. God what? God God allowed. Anybody been in something that you, you, you despise God because he allowed it? Anybody been there? God allowed them to be taken away from their homes. He allowed Nebuchadnezzar to take away uh, you as prisoners from Jerusalem to Babylonia. now, Now here's what he says. Build, the Lord Almighty says to all of those people whom he allowed Nebuchadnezzar to take away as prisoners from Jerusalem to Babylon. Here's what my direction is. Build houses and settle down. Plant gardens and eat what you grow. Marry and have children. Let your children get married so that they also may have children. You, you must increase in numbers and not decrease. Work for the good of the cities where I have made you go as prisoners. Pray to me on their behalf. No, not those people. They, no, pray for the, the people who have captured you. Because if they are prosperous, you will be prosperous too. I the Lord the God of Israel warn you not to let yourselves be deceived by the prophets who live among you or by any others who claim they can predict the future. Do not pay attention to their dreams. They're telling you lies and they're telling you lies in my name. I did not send them. I the Lord Almighty have spoken. Anybody hear this? God tells them to build houses, get married, have kids, to live their lives. Then he drops this bombshell. Work for the good of the cities where I have made you go as prisoners and pray to me on their behalf. I probably wouldn't be actively seeking the welfare of the city that ripped me from my homeland. But that's what God tells them. He tells them in verse 10, He says, you're going to live there for another 70 years. And then He says, I know you don't understand, but I'm going to prosper you right in the middle of the brokenness. In the middle of your exile, I'm going to show up. Now maybe you feel like you're in exile right now. Maybe you're in a job you don't want. Maybe you're unsure of the next steps in your life. Maybe you have questions. Maybe your family's been ripped apart by a divorce or crime or loss or death. Here's God's plan. I want you to worship anyway. Anybody want to go ahead and worship God? We praise you, God, whatever the situation. Come on. Whatever your condition, in your current place, God wants you to flourish where you are. He has plans for your future, but he also has plans for your present Present. That's what I found out about Jeremiah twenty nine eleven for the first time. Anybody finding that out right now? It's just as much a verse about the present as it is about the future. God has plans right where you are. I said God has plans right where you are. Now I, I don't know if you realize this. Let me, let me preach this to you. I'm getting a flyover, so I got to preach. All right. Listen. God will use your broken things to build beautiful things. God will use the pain. Anybody know what I'm talking about? He will use the pain and the hurt as soon as you stop saying, God, how dare you allow this brokenness. Come on. In fact, even while you're saying that, he'll still bless you. How many know that? Anybody ever had that? Right in the middle, just keep, keep your faith in God as best you can. Say, God, why did you let this happen? And God's going to shake his head up and down and says, yes. Here's, let, me, let me take you really deep in God's word. God is sovereign. Amen. Say it, God is sovereign. God is sovereign. When God is going to do something, he doesn't have to call you on the phone and say, look, I got some plans, but I want to make sure it's okay with you first. Somebody says, why were there storms in North Carolina? Why are there floods? I don't have to look at God and say, God, you could have stopped this. God says, you don't know what I'm doing right now. You don't know. You don't know the plans that I have. All all I can tell you is you may be going through a tough time right now, but I still love you, and you're still my child. And what I'm calling you to do is take the broken place that you're in in your current situation, in your flooded community, in your difficult situation, in your messed up life. God is saying, I will bless you right there. Put your faith in me right where you are. Jesus, help him preach this. This is too tough for me, Pastor. I'll show you. Acts chapter 16. Anybody remember this story? Paul is and Silas have been beaten and thrown in jail. Anybody remember this? Their skin is ripped from their bodies. They're put in the inner cell. They've got, they've got prison guards around them. At midnight, what do they do? Okay, I'm going to give you another word. They go ahead and build right where they are. You didn't, did you hear me? They built right in the middle of the mess. They built while their pain is in their back. They went ahead and built in the midst of their crisis. They went ahead and worshiped God. Somebody said, no, they were just saying. No, they were building. Because when you worship God, you are building an altar of sacrifice right there. Soon as you start worshiping God, and heaven comes down. And as it is in heaven, it is now on earth. So they build. They build. And as they build in worship, the chains fall off. All right? But they're not finished building because there's a jailer who suffers severely from depression. And he is afraid that when the the, the prisons, I'm giving you my story, okay? The prison bars open up. If the the prisoners all get away, they're going to die. And so he says, I'm just going to go ahead and kill myself. I haven't got anything else to live for. And Paul screams out, stay your sword. Don't hurt yourself. We're still building stuff right here. Somebody thank God for this. You ever ever figure out why God says love your enemies? Because God loves your enemies. God don't love them. Yes, He does. He loves your enemies. He loves, loves, loves your enemies. You need to love them too. And they came in, they shared with him. He said, well, what do I need you to be saved. And they went ahead and told him how to repent. And, and, and he, not only that, they said, you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, not only will you be saved, but revival will happen in your whole house. Your family will also be saved. They got a whole family. They built a church right out of that beating, right out of that jail. What I'm telling you, anybody hear this? God wants to, God, God's plan includes you and all those barbarians and sailors around you D- Jesus didn't just die for you he died for the bully in your neighborhood God will use it all But I got any scavengers in the house you know you are I'm a scavenger anybody else I got a project going in my backyard I, said, I don't know how I'm going to fix this I just walked in my garage started looking around looking around i find myself anybody else come on you said, "Well, I got to go to Home Depot no I don't I just need to look around my yard Because there is a brick that's laying there somewhere. There's an old broken block. I got like all kinds of these little, I got them all lined up, you know, different size nuts and screws and washers. Some people throw all those around, but I'll walk there and I will fix the, listen, I got an old gazebo in my backyard. It looks real pretty. Anybody see my backyard? I got this little canopy thing in my backyard. And do you know how many times I've had to fix that? It's all rusted and tired, it needs to be replaced, but I have saved that thing for the last five years. I'll go out and I'll cut a pole off and I'll find myself an old piece of pipe, I'll drill a hole through it, I'll put a leg a uh, uh, piece on the end of it and I'll, pull, I'll get me a new canopy, put it right on top. People go, oh that's so pretty. And you don't know all the things I've scavenged. I'm telling you, my God is a scavenger and he will find broken things in your life and he will put stuff together that will give you shade and lighting and comfort. It's just the way God is. Jesus. Somebody look at somebody and say, settle down. Settle down. Remember, the Israelites were in Babylonian captivity. They were in Babylonian captivity. You need to understand the Old Testament... The Old Testament is a type and shadow of what we do in the New Testament. Remember, he said in verse 4, the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says to all those people whom he allowed Nebuchadnezzar to take away as prisoners, he says, he says I, want you to, I want you to build houses and settle down and plant gardens and marry and have children, etc., etc. Look at God's plan. Settle down. Tell yourself. Just go ahead and say, self, settle down. You need to settle down. You tell your children to do that all the time, tell yourself. Settle down! (laughs) You see, just because they are not in Israel doesn't mean that they are not the children of Abraham. Just because they're not on the property that they want to be on does not mean that they are not covenant people. Like Genesis chapter 17. Remember the covenant of Abraham? No longer shall you be... Listen, he says, My covenant is with you, and you shall be a father of many nations. No longer shall you be called Abram, but your name will be Abraham. I made you a father of many nations. I will make you exceedingly fruitful. I will make nations of you, and kings shall come of you, and I will establish my covenant between me and you and your... That's me. Your descendants after you in their generations for an everlasting covenant to be, to be God to you and your descendants. Now, what, what we recognize here is this. If you are in covenant with God, he will bless you wherever you are. If you are in a covenant with God, he will what? Where? Where? This is important because everybody comes from somewhere. My mother's house, when she was a girl, was in the hills of Kentucky. She grew up with a single mom. Somebody, let's hear for single mom, single dad. Let's hear it for them, okay? Yeah, a single mom and a messed up, drunken, abusive ex-husband. My daddy was, my, my daddy was literally born in a converted chicken house. In a holler in Kentucky. My grandfather was a coal mining preacher. My mother had nothing. She had nothing as a child. She had nothing. There were times when there was nothing there. And Memo would just pray until something showed up. My grandmother refused to stop trusting in the Lord. The the first house I remember as a child for myself was a two-bedroom house. I shared a room with all three of my brothers. I remember the church my daddy pastored in a snake-ridden, drunk, drug-infested little community in, in, a, in a valley in Ohio. That's where I that's where my ministry, that's where I remember it starting. My dad, my mom built their ministries and their lives out of this. It's where I come from. So before you think I'm a big shot, I want you to know that we all come from somewhere. Stop playing like you always had it all together. You had to build where you were. Don't steal your children's testimony. You love them enough to tell them the truth of the pain and the difficulty. Yes, we were in Babylon, but God let us build right there in Babylon. God saved us. We didn't know how to be married. We didn't know how to work. We didn't know how to balance a checkbook. But God, in his grace and mercy, told us to plant right there and eat the veggies that we grew. Jesus I'll be finished and God's plan is to use you to bless this nation I don't know if you know this if if you've heard the statistics I told you last week you may remember that our culture is in a spiritual dilemma people desperately need the Lord the stats are just staggeringly I'm telling you anybody remember Applebee's that used to be on First Colonial Road it shut down like a whole bunch of them. Anybody remember Toys R Us? Yeah. It shut down. Do you know why they shut them down? Statistics. This ain't working. I showed you the statistics of church. If the church was one giant business, they, no wonder 3,500 churches a year close. No wonder. The statistics are staggering. And you know, I'm telling you about how God's good and we're thriving. Somebody, I mean, I'm so thankful for that. All right? <laughs> But I want you to know while you've got your finger pointed at everybody and everybody's frustrated with Congress and everybody frustrated with the White House and everybody frustrated with this, I want you to know that's your harvest field. God didn't put you here just to be mad all the time. He put you here as a light in a dark place. Jesus, help me preach this. You say, well, I don't understand. You know, this is my land. It wasn't originally, probably. Most of us are not from here originally. Can I get an amen? amen. We immigrated from somewhere. Perhaps you were stolen from another land. You know, that's that's how I that's how the hawkers got here. My great 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 grandfather was hit in the head and sold onto a ship as a cabin boy and ended up in northern Virginia. And uh, so that's that's how I got here. Hallelujah. But I'm still singing, this land is my land. This land is your land from California. I mean, I'm still singing. You hear what I'm saying? See, I don't know. Can I, can I tell you this, however? Don't buy into the ways of this world. Don't. It doesn't matter how you got here, you're here. Say, how did I get here? I was taking, yes, but we're here right now. And we're supposed to build here I, and I know here, well let me just tell you this ain't none of you from here got any Christians in the room? 1 Peter chapter 2 verse 11 Dear friends I urge you as aliens and strangers in the world to abstain from sinful desires which war against your soul live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us anybody get this? I mean, I changed when I moved to Virginia. I did. I mean, I, I grew up in Ohio. I moved to Virginia 32 years ago, and I changed. I, I, if, if I didn't even know there was a place called Norfolk, Virginia. But they keep calling it Norfolk on the news. Right? I mean, I said y'all because I, I was born in Kentucky and raised in southeastern Ohio, but not like y'all said y'all. And now I say y'all and Ewans and all y'all. I mean, I do all of that. Just like all y'all do it, and you and too. But, but when it comes, I say, "Settle down, settle down. Learn a language, be here. But in all of that, I want you to remember that you're not from here, that we have a citizenship of heaven. Anybody going with me one day? Anybody going? I'm a citizen of heaven. So listen, there are things that I am not packing. You don't hear. There's some stuff I am not taking with me. I am not taking the sins of this world to live eternally with my Father. And that's what he's saying. Abstain from sinful desires. What does it mean? Stop! And he doesn't say just stop sinning. He says, He says, I want you to overcome the desires that cause you, the manifestations. I want you to deal with the hate, the unforgiveness, the lusts that are in your life. I want you to live such good lives among people that are totally broken that they see you and eventually bring glory to God and they also give their lives to the same Jesus. Come on. We will not change this world by emulating it. We are of heaven. We are not of the earth. The Bible talks about Christians as having a dwelling in heaven John 14, Jesus said, let not your hearts be troubled. You believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms, many dwelling places. And if I if were not so, I would have told you that I'm going and I'm going to prepare a place. And if I go and prepare a place, I will come again and I will receive you to myself so that where you are, we can all be together. Where I am, you, you may be also. Stand with me. Stand with me. Let me, let me close this. 2 Chronicles 7. If my people who are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and forgive their sin and heal their land. I'm believe that still works. All right, so here. Here, here you go. Okay, I don't, I don't like America. Listen. You're here. All right, you need to forgive. Everybody need to forgive. Stop being so angry. Stop living in anger. All right, now listen. Listen and take ownership i'm going to give you a revival message here take ownership for the sins of our land god i'm not the one that did all this i'm going to repent on behalf of the country that i'm living in anybody anybody hear what i'm telling you right now repent on behalf of it i mean you do this pledge of allegiance all the time don't you anybody ever do that Anybody ever salute? Anybody ever do that? Anybody ever sing the night? Anybody ever do that? You do? Then take ownership of all of that. Say, Father, forgive us. Forgive us. And then you build something here by turning from your wicked ways. I need everybody else to stop. Look, it's going to start at home. It's going to start at your house. If I need spiritual intimacy in my house, you know, I have passed out. Good Lance. I passed out probably... 500 plus family candles and I hardly ever walk up to somebody and say how's that spiritual intimacy going you and your wife praying together and then look at me and say yeah we're praying just every morning hardly ever does that happen okay Say, so I want God in my house I just don't want to pray you're a liar and God still loves you he's still did that hurt too much? Pastor, you were being so funny before. Come on. If you pray, if my people will pray and seek his face, then in the land that you're living, he will heal it. Let's just give thanks for his love right now. Everybody give thanks for his love. Let's go ahead. Let's give thanks for his love. All right? All right. So and thank you, God, for loving me. All right. Now, one other thing. I want you to give thanks to God for where you are. Amen. Oh, you're having problems right there. Give thanks to God for where you are. Your situation. Thank you, Lord, for where I am. Thank you, Lord. Now say, Lord, use me. Use me right where I am. Use me where I am, Father. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Let's give thanks to the Lord for his word today. I want my I want some prayer workers to come and stand up front. We're gonna pray for people as we complete this service. If you're new to freedom, I would love for you to meet me. Uh, in, in, in my office, just go to the Welcome Center in a few moments but before we do that before we do anything else, I want to offer you prayer, okay, now listen, listen there are people in this room that are struggling with the love of God right once you get the love of God, you'll begin to love yourself, God will deal with that, right and then you'll be able to love others as well it's just a flow, some of you are struggling with the love of God, listen, listen Some of you are struggling with where you are in your life right now. Your marriage is a wreck, perhaps. Your home is a wreck. Or maybe you're a single mother or single father, and there's just a lot of chaos in your house. God wants to bless you and use you. And we want to anoint you and pray a prayer of faith for you.